Episode 33, Currency for Currency. Today's discussion for tomorrow's financial freedom is titled Celebration, Emancipation, or Plain Old Frustration. The month of June is mostly noted for the long-awaited end of school year, hot summer days, Father's Day, maybe even summer camp. But those are just a few of the notables. While June provides us with many opportunities to smile, frustrations still linger hundreds of years later. The question is, where does your financial freedom linger? Are you celebrating your victories, emancipation from your debt, or plain old frustration because you haven't yet figured it out? Join us as we discuss the MMH factors and give you golden nuggets on how to cash in on your currency. We'll get to the point of the slavery factor and claiming freedom to your financial bondages. Let's get into it. Currency for currency, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Currency for Currency, and this is the place where you get today's discussion for tomorrow's financial freedom. I am Nayosha, and I am joined by none other than my amazing co-host on the move, on the money, on the grind, and always on time is Mo. Mo Money. I How like that day. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I gotta rock to this. I did a little dab. Oh, I see. You, I see you dipping. I see you dipping in it. That's... Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's a lot oh. of we finally getting some um recognition. Oh. Acknowledgement. Man, acknowledgement and recognition just just finally happening. Can you imagine? Come on, no. man. It's no. not even it's not even a secret that this country used black labor, free black labor. Mm. It's not a secret that they took us from our, not just our home, Mm. but our continent. Oh my gosh, Mo, Mo. Girl, let me tell you, you just spearheaded into a great, great segue. And that's actually, we have Juneteenth coming up. Juneteenth Juneteenth. Juneteenth is coming up and what a perfect segue into that also relevant topic. Wow. So Juneteenth for our listeners abroad and just anyone that's not necessarily familiar with the date, it's the celebration, if you will, or the observation, I should say, of the emancipation of slavery. And as of 2021, can you believe that there are just 48 states that are either observing or recognized as national holidays? Pennsylvania and the District of Columbia were recently added to the list, like recently added to the list. I'm talking in like the last few days. Hawaii, North and South Dakota, and Montana, however, are still not a part of that list. And that's hard to imagine in this current day and age. It, it really is. You know, when we look back last year, around the same time, we had the riots going on 
from the unfortunate death of George Floyd and just Black Lives Matter movements happening all over the country where people were just tired of the same old, same old, right? This far along, this far away from that June 19th date in 1865, are we not still dealing with the same oppression, the same Mm. amount of hate, the same level of setback and insecurity, right? Mm. And unequal financial statuses? Are we not still dealing with those things? You know, know, it's amazing to say those things and then some people still say that we're not, let slavery be where slavery is, mm. but at the same time that we as a people mm. have not been, and still are not, and, and we're still affected by it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you have people saying, oh my God, we went through the pandemic. We need therapy. Mm. The pandemic was a year and a half at this mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are people saying, oh, we need therapy for that. You know, I had a traumatic situation, you know, um, I was shot at or, you know, I was mm-hmm. molested. Mm-hmm. And But you have a people that was enslaved. Yes. And then those people raised other people hmm. that were not enslaved but didn't really understand their freedoms. Right. Or not even just not understanding, but also they passed along what was done to them. Right? Exactly. One That's why you have violence, you know, you know, that we learn violence from mm. being whipped. Mm. Mm. I have so much to say. I'm not, I got so much to say. I, I went on a vacation. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry I cut in. I'll let no. you finish your thought. <laughs> no, you know, I love to bounce and toggle back and forth, but I was just thinking right. when we had our therapist, Mr. Brian Jones on and how he was saying a few episodes back, how we're still dealing with enslavement mentalities today from all those years ago to your point, right? So it's a very real thing. And just like people need post-pandemic therapy, which we're kind of still in. I know things are opening, but people be careful. There's a second wave, not a second wave, but there's a um, heightened variant that is on the rise out there. So people please be aware and conscientious in your actions as you go out and states and places reopen. I just wanted to throw that in there. But at any rate- Yeah, on that note, which we will discuss some more in left in a minute. I went on, went to South Carolina okay. last week. Okay. And um, our group was the only mask I seen the whole time. Oh, a waitress. Wow. Had on a mask. Wow. The whole time we were there. We were there like four or five days. Wow. The only mask I seen was the mask in our group that was there. Wow. How Except are people- for one waitress. How did it people view you? I hadn't mm-hmm. been, I hadn't been, they didn't, they sort of look like they weren't staring at us. We weren't mm-hmm. like, we didn't have a horn come up, but you know, they just went along business as usual. And it was more that I, I felt I was jumping. Yeah. I didn't want to be in a crowd. So I didn't go yeah. to any areas that was shopping. Yeah. So we primarily, you know, we went on um, like these tours that was mm-hmm. already predestined for us because we was, um, celebrating someone's 50th birthday mm-hmm. and um 
Yeah, I didn't go in any stores. I didn't make myself available to be around people. On the okay. tours, we all sat together. Um, yeah, so I, I made it my part of my business to be away from people. I was still not comfortable. Yeah. To the degree, like, I, I still had the mask on. I still um, realized that there was a pandemic issue. Yeah. I don't know what the the positivity rate where we were, but I was very cognizant of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I wasn't like, ah, I'm scared, I'm scared. But yeah. I was, you know, hey, don't get too close. Exactly. I was walking, walking the street when people would come in groups and were passing me on the sidewalk or anything. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. I actually went in the store yesterday evening and I was walking down one aisle. And for the most part, I've been in areas where people are wearing masks, but there are others that I see without the mask. And so they're looking at me and I'm looking back at them because I have my double mask on still and I'm fully vaccinated and I have my gloves on because people are just germy and I'm a germaphobe. And so last night, two things happened while I was in the store. One, I was going down the aisle and this guy had his mask down and he was talking on the phone. And as I was approaching, he quickly pulled up his mask and he looked at me like to say, all right, I pulled my mask up. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate that respect that you pulled your mask up because I was going to pass you. That's number one. But then I was in the checkout and I had my mask on. And so I took my glove off because this is a part of my germophobia. I'm making that word up. I took my glove off to access my card in my pocketbook. I'm not going to touch my bag with the same germy glove that I don't touched everything else with the sto- in the store. Right. With, right? right. Hello, people. That's a nugget. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... The guy, he may have been irritated a little bit because it took me about five seconds to do it. I got this down packed to a science, right? But he looked at me like, well, are you finished? Because then when I put my car back, I put my glove back on so that I can move the car and move all the belongings. That's just my process. That's what I do, right? And so I looked at him and nodded. He didn't have a mask on. His child, who was under the age of 12, didn't have a mask on. And for me, you know, I just wondered if he wondered if I was vaccinated. Similarly, I went to the beach with my daughter over the weekend. And for the first time, I sat outside with her without a mask on because it was an open environment. No one was around us. And I just wanted us to freely experience the air, (laughs) you know, just to freely experience that. So... That was different because at first I was like, okay, well, should I get our mask? And I said, you know what? We're isolated. Let's just enjoy this for a moment. How does she how does she respond to taking the mask off? Was she what? like, yeah, yeah, no problem? Or well, I'll tell was you, she, she doing cartwheels? She was very cognizant and for her young age, she's so aware because she asked me and she said, Mommy, we don't need our masks. And I said, you know what, baby, this time we're not going to take it. So wow. whenever we go someplace and we get out the car without the mask, because she's accustomed to putting them on now, she will ask. And they're both, my, my son and my daughter, they're both accustomed to wearing a mask. I know my son initially, he had a hard time wearing right. a mask. Like he didn't want any parts of it. And I met a few parents 
you know, last year and their children were going through the same age. Younger children, right? They're like, what is this on my face? I don't want this cover up. So, yeah. And I well, know we know died. Mm-hmm. One thing you thought of in regards to the age of the kids, yeah. we say it's a year and a half. Yeah. But when you're dealing with kids, it's only three and four. It's half their life. Oh my gosh, it's so true. It's it's so and, true. and it's very hard that they could so oh. you know, you know, used to it. Yeah. Um because it's it it it, it absorbs in a, in in such a learning stage and adaptation yes. stage and you know, now you say, Okay, for half of their life, think of you know, us being wearing a, a mask for 15, 20, 25 years. Right, right, right. And then someone said, take it off. It's half right. of their life. Right. So it'd be interesting. You know, that's why I was interested in how did Bria, you know, respond to it. Like, yeah, you, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. No, that's so, that's so true. And I was speaking with a friend and I said, you know, I was already probably OCD with the germs, but, you know, with yeah, COVID, I'll agree. thank you thank you very much. But with COVID, you know, it's, it's 10 times <laughs> worse. I will say that I know it. And I feel badly because, you know, when we, it's very limited interaction in going in the store, you know, if I have to go in a store, uh, because it's, it's just, you know, myself with, um, they're right by my hip. Don't touch anything. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. You know, I'm washing their hands as soon as we get back to the car. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm cognizant, but I don't want to freak them out at the same time, you know, because right. like you said, they're growing in that. And, th- and that's the same thing we were talking about initially, right? I know we digressed a little bit. But this is all relative. So people who were enslaved now coming out of slavery now raising people and passing those things along right or adjusting to that new lifestyle right it's not like you know once the emancipation came into place people were just wonderful okay you had all this mental post mental slave post slavery mental therapy that needed to happen if there was even a thing right there it never happened then you have the the level of abuse right you have the financial downfall because it wasn't like these people were given you know gobs of money and saying hey go live your best life they weren't given they weren't given property well let me explain well we were promised 40 acres in a million you promised but they weren't given anything (laughs) let me explain to you what really let me let me put it in a perspective i think that most people can understand you wake up one morning and you usually are going out to fields and you're usually allowed to be beat Mm. your children you actually don't even know what their names are where they're at And someone walks up to you and they say, you're free. Mm. First of all, you cannot even conceptualize Mm. that word free. Right, right. What does it even mean? Right. Now, you're free. Mm -hmm. You're on this land. Most of the enslaved people had not even been to town. Mm. So when they set them free... There wasn't a system. You think about you so many movies you see when people get out of jail. Yeah. And they was in jail. And there's this famous scene 
when Sugar Bear gets out of jail, and I'm gonna get you sucker, he gets out and he's wearing the clothes mm-hmm. from 15, 20 years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. He has a shoe with the fish yes. in it, and he's wearing all these old clothes. And that's after he had been incarcerated, but mm-hmm. he had a point of reference yes. of what he was supposed to look like, and it was old school, and it was only 15 years later, 20 right. years later, he was out of sync. Right. Think about a person that never been free, never been to town, and then they say you're free, and some of the people were angry and say, "Get the hell off of my property." Yeah. Where do you go? Right. You don't have food. You don't have clothing. You don't have shelter. You don't Nothing. have a job. Mm-mm. You're just basically people went out and they were living in the woods. Right. Like cavemen. And I, I, I just re- I just said that I, I went to Charleston. Mm-hmm. You know I'm, I'm well traveled, mm-hmm. and the one reason why I all, I'm on how many passports I've been trying to run myself through. Mm-hmm. So I've been to Japan twice, twice. Thank you. I went to Japan twice. I've been to London, England, Paris, Saint Tropez, um, all over the Caribbean. You know, um, but I very rarely travel except to my family and California, I think twice. Okay. Around in the United States. Yeah. Because of the slavery thing, Mm. the slavery factor. And it's disheartening to see that it looks like a lot of people want to say the only contribution we made to this country is a slave, but it's a major contribution. We built this country. Mm. So we went on, uh, while I was on vacation last week, to Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I've never been on a plantation. I know that may be hard to believe because I was born in Statesboro, Georgia. I'm from the South, but no. I did not, I've never been in slave quarters. I've never been on a plantation. And we went on this place, it's called Magnolia um, Plantation. Mm. And I went into slave quarters and I seen what they were living like. Wow. And I seen the, the big land. And on this particular plantation, they were losing money. And they brought slaves over from um, Ghana which is Africa also. I don't know why they say different parts, but, and the, these these white people were losing money and these African people came over with rice. It's the first time I heard this, but they actually took a plantation and made it conducive to growing rice. Mm. Rice is in water. Mm-hmm. And rice, they said, was five cents a pound. So mm-hmm. it was worth their weight in gold. So they used to call it um, gold, rice gold, Carolina okay. gold. Okay. Well, when we went out to, I'm learning all this on the tour, and uh, this massive property, they said they had to sell off some of the property, but it was still 500 acres. And the three things that hit me the most. First, 
the size of this place. We're on a trolley, we're in a car, we're in a trolley. How big this place was, and it was built and maintained, and the wealth came from the knowledge of Africans that came over and showed these white people how to make this money. But mm. what hurt me mm. is the fact that when they built, they had to dig out you know, this area to make the water, the flood, the fields, so we can plant this rice. Rice, uh-huh. And that was alligators. Was it? Oh, wow. The alligator population just started coming over. And uh, I've heard these people, like first of all, I never knew you hear cotton yeah. and tobacco. Yeah. At least that's what I knew of in Georgia. Yeah. I didn't know these people in Carolina was growing all of this rice by slaves mm. and made this slave plantation very, if not the most wealthiest plantation in the United States. But that these enslaved people were forced to go in those waters and what was being eaten and killed by crocodiles. You know, my gosh, my gosh. They couldn't make a fence. Wow. They could no. have somebody out there, but you have to get in that mm. water mm. knowing that there are crocodiles and stuff that may be in those waters. Mm. I, I'm tearing Again, up. Again, I've I can't heard even imagine. about cotton fields. Yeah. And yeah, you get a snake in cotton fields, the tobacco yeah. fields, yeah. and all the other fields. But to put the people, and they said the end of that trade stopped with emancipation. When mm. they released the slaves, because those things like, I ain't got to go back to that water. And you can't pay me to go back in that water. And that's when the pivot and you know it stopped. Mm. Yeah, now they're doing the tours for money and stuff. And there was a part of me that was disgusted. The other thing that got me, I can't remember it was four or five or six, but they said some of the enslaved people decided to stay. Wow. And the two guys like, believe it or not, they decided to slay. They decided to uh, stay. They didn't have nowhere. The government, the system did not set up a way for them to prosper and to leave the, you just let them go. You didn't even say, well, give them $3 each. Right, right. Here, right. let's build some type of home for them so they right. have somewhere to go. Right, right. And to the day, to this day, yeah. Some of the workers that was there working on that property as a tourist spot, I can't remember it was four, five, or six of the guys, were the same descendants of the people that never left that plantation. Are you serious? Wow. All these generations later, they're still there. All these generations later. As far as I'm, con uh, 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 I'm concerned, that property has 500 acres. I think properties like that, because when you go over and you look at Europe and you look at Germany yes. and what they did to the Jews, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the amount of years they did these horrible things to these Jews. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think mean Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, had to pay restitution. Mm. Why aren't properties like that sold off in auction mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. 
and, and pay restitution. You got five or six guys on the property right now that mm-hmm. you know are descendants that you own their people. Right, right. And in regards to last name, sometimes people are like, oh yeah, we're a family mm-hmm. when they hear the name Johnson mm-hmm. or they hear the name Gibson. Mm-hmm. You like you got Mrs. and Mrs. Gibson. No, we're not necessarily family. We were owned. That's our legacy with our last name. Yeah. As yeah. descendants of slaves, Adolf, mm-hmm. American descendants of slaves, mm-hmm. is that our last name represents our forefathers' owner. Mm-hmm. 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 That is tragic within itself. Right. Again, the word Ados, um, I'm going to slow down, that's American descendants of slaves. And the American uh, American descendants of slaves have being black, and then you have the Caribbean that come over and uh-huh. let's say, like, you know, one of our friends did, his grandfather, his grandfather, grandmother was from Jamaica. Yeah. Their experience growing up in the Caribbean mm-hmm. where 85, 90, if not more of the people were black mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. different from the American mm-hmm. um, experience. The black American experience. American experience. Yes. Yeah, it's very true. So, means that you are direct descendants. You didn't come from the Caribbean. You didn't come from right. Panama. You didn't come from all these other places. Your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather is from this country. Right. And then right. that's why I, I see, I don't understand how people going to say this country is not based on racism. When what was slave? What was Jim Crow law? Right. <laughs> what was, you know, what like, are these voting right restrictions? Then? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. What is the word apartheid? What? Mo, Mo, you, you just, you go and you gotta pause and break. <laughs> you are going. I love it. And, and I want to yeah. get, but so a couple of things because I just want to take this back and tie it into our MMH factor for a moment. And we'll pick right back up with the apartheid, right? You you mentioned about prosperity and not having opportunities, not knowing what to do. Now you're free. What do you do? Or someone giving you money in cases of today's society where people may win the lottery or something like that, or they get the tax return, right? What do you do with that money? Do you set yourself up for opportunity? What do you do today to set yourself up for an opportunity tomorrow? Are you saving? Are you spending it? Are you investing it, right? Because that's the mentality that you have to get yourself into to move away from the enslavement mentality, right? The, I don't have access to. We have to create our own opportunities because to this day, no one is giving that opportunity to us. I had an interesting conversation. I was actually leading a series that uh, I put together and in this series, it was focusing on networking. But one of the questions in this particular part was surrounding cultural diversity. And I asked one of the participants, 
what shaped their cultural diversity. And it was a young Italian man. And he said to me very plainly, you know, I've never had to think about that. And I thought that was such a very candid response. Right. You know, there very. was there was no intention, there was no ill intention there from him whatsoever. But the fact that he verbally said, you know, I've never had to think about that. And that ties into the point that you were just making about people coming from the Caribbean and other places versus people that were their immediate descendants were from here. They were born in these United States. It's a different experience, right? Because they didn't have necessarily the same level of injustice, if you will, and separation from their family and financial inequities that were experienced here. You know, when you, I've had conversations and people from the Caribbean have said to me, we grew up with white people. You know, right. so when we come here, it's like diversity. This is all we knew versus people being black in these United States. Some people have never left their city. They have never left their community. They don't know what a diverse situation looks like, right? They only right. know what's in front of them. And if someone is not teaching them or speaking to them about living outside of those means and the government and these institutions that are supposed to be protecting us and providing and making opportunities for us, if they're not giving it to us and providing them with the information, how else are they supposed to do it? How else are they supposed to take opportunity into their own hands if they don't know any better? And it's the same it's concept. It's not instilled in us. It's, no. we, it's, it's the same concept. For people that didn't have anything. We weren't in right. charge of money. We weren't right. in charge of our destiny. We wasn't right. in charge of our own children. Right. And then to the point, and this had to be, I knew it, but didn't had not connected the dots mm. in regards to I've been selling real estate for three decades, over three yeah. decades. I think yeah. I'm on my 32nd or 33rd year. Yeah. And I've seen, I've just learned to accept that when I see a, a black couple, a black person come in my office, I am waiting for them to have an accent. Mm. Mm. That's a very And I real. would say 75 to mm. maybe I would say maybe 85 to 90% yeah. of every single person I've sold to over mm. the last 30 plus years yeah. was Caribbean. Mm. First mm. a second generation mm. in this country. Mm. Mm. And then I see family members and friends mm -hmm. and other Americans mm -hmm. that either don't have the desire or are late bloomers in it. Yeah, yeah. They may have the desire, but they don't have the mindset. Right. And a lot of times it amazed me because I'm like, well, how do these people coming over here, getting mm -hmm. your papers to come over here, mm -hmm. getting a job? Mm -hmm. So we had another, again, at that same vacation trip, there was four couples. We had a very organic conversation I think me and the only three of the eight people mm -hmm. were Adolf, where we are American descendants of, no, Play. only two of us. It was me and Bobby. 
mm-hmm. were only two American descendants of slaves. Mm. So the conversation was like, well, when we were little, we were like, yeah, let's get a house, let's play house. The conversation was different. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you think of Adolf, there's trying to be some reparations in regards to Adolf. Mm. But then you have to say, just because you weren't born in this country, when you come to this country as a black mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. whether it be from Spain or from Caribbean or where or Panama, whatever, mm-hmm. your experience as a black person is not good. It's, you have some type of negative conversation of being black. Being black in this country. Right. So you do feel the racism, mm. but you, you don't have the same experience right. as a person from Adolf. And in addition, they, they, the other, there was two, the six, the other six would also agree that they don't hold themselves in the same esteem as black Americans. Oh, wow. And, and this is the group, when, just for clarity, this is the group you were right, with. Wow. Mm-hmm. The group that I was with. And one lady was from Panama. She went as far as saying that when she meets people, she's mm-hmm. she's a self-made, multi-millionaire, very successful. And people say, where are you from? She throws on her Spanish accent and she gets a positive response from white Americans when they realize she's not an Adolf. Wow. Wow. And then the other ones had to sit there like, yeah, sometimes I feel like, yeah, we're from Jamaica, we're from the Caribbean, and not even realizing that white Americans hold those Black Americans that were born in this country Mm -hmm. at a higher higher level Mm -hmm. than the Adolf, which is crazy blew my mind because yeah. of course I'm not a part of that. How would right. I know? Right, how would you know? Right. And I said, yeah. am I also guilty of that? Yeah. Like when I speak to someone and like, oh, where are you from? And we talking. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, you don't have an accent. Do I, as a Black American, hold mm. them at a different extent? Because wow. I know from just dealing with them on a business perspective, yeah. that they are normally the ones that owning houses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's oh my gosh, it's you hit I on gotta ask so. You. Yeah, I, you're an Adolf. Yeah, I am an Adolf, and um, it's so interesting. So I was thinking about, I was featured in this uh, newsletter, and the question was posed to me: What shaped my cultural diversity? And I was very plain vanilla with it. And I said, I'm a proud African-American LGBTQ member, right? A woman. And as I was writing that, there were, I felt strike, 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 strike for each category that I placed myself in as I was writing this I felt strike 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 the point that I'm making is to answer your question I feel myself that I am viewed at a different level and I just got to tell you I mean I've been I've been so fortunate in my life to have the 
village that raised me. And I spoke about this in the same article because I, you know, I was on a personal aspect, I was raised in a single parent household, right? And that's something else that transitioned from slavery. You know, men being disconnected from their families, men not having fathers in their lives, then not knowing how to be fathers. That's a whole nother conversation. But shout out to, shout out to all the real dads out there that are in the homes, that are out of the homes, but taking care of their children because I don't think we give dads enough credit. So I do want to pause there. Shout out to the real dad, the pop number one, okay? So as a child of a single parent household, as an Adolf, right? As a black American female, I, although I had this village around me, I became very conscientious of diversity and racism, not until my adult life. I was sheltered and to the point that I made, you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know much diversity when I was younger. I was around a middle-class, just a middle-class black family that in my opinion, had it going on. They owned homes, you know, they had cars, they had very um, lucrative jobs. They went to college, you know, so I was seeing these people as I was growing up and that was influencing me. I had grandparents who were married for over 60, you know, two years. I saw And owned a house in a great neighborhood. Owned a house in a great neighborhood. They were one of the first to enter their neighborhood, the first uh, family of color to enter their neighborhood. So seeing those things impacted me. But today, when I wrote, you know, that article or gave that um, information for the article, I felt those things despite growing up in it because now I'm conscientious of the differences. I'm conscientious of the diversity of the racism. I've experienced it myself. You know, I've had people say to me, oh, well, how did you, how did you do that? Or how did you afford or, you know, make the assumption, you must have a large family. You're doing a lot of shopping. I've had white people say that to me while I was in the store in recent months, no less, you know? So yeah, exactly. And like you, vast number of my clients that have purchased homes and or are interested in repairing their credit are not, you know, they're, they're from the Caribbean or they're from, you know, other areas and they're looking to move forward. It's, and it, it, you know, it's a, it's a sad case, but I also understand the case. And so again, that's what our conversations are all about, right? We're bringing you these very real conversations because these conversations are not being had at the table. And we had our wonderful guest, you know, Danny, talking about that. She said, this this wasn't shown in my family, right? Nobody was talking right. to me or sitting down with me and showing me how to write a checkbook, right? right? So we have to take the ball in our own court and create those opportunities. We have to be able to to level set and set examples for the next generation. We have to build our generational wealth now and pass that on, you know, uh, for our family members because no one's gonna do it for us. No one is gonna do it for us. 
Yeah, we got to come to our own rescue. We, we have, have to, to come to up. our own. You have to exactly. You yeah. have to want better for yourself. Yeah. You know, I've always said, I don't know if I ever said it on the show, but when you admire something about someone, yeah. in three to five seconds, mm-hmm. that admiration is going to end up being an inspiration mm. or then you're going to start feeling jealousy. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm. Inspire yeah, or desire. Five, five, <laughs> right, right. I think we need to have a part two to this. I, you I'm know, I think, yeah, because you left off at apartheid. I I didn't want to interrupt you, but you hit on some amazing nuggets today. And I just love your mind for that, Mo. And I know you could probably talk until next week about this because you're so <laughs> passionate about it. But listen, let's have a part two of this. Um, inspire or desire. That's what we got to pick up. I want to end this, though, on a happy note. And so this is also African American appreci- music appreciation month. And oh, this wow. was yeah. yeah. This was created by then President Jimmy Carter in 1979 and it celebrates yeah, peanut, man. There you go, African American musical influences, uh, right? As an essential part of our nation's treasured cultural heritage, right? Oh, it's so funny. I'm gonna tell you a quick story. So what song was I playing the other day? And I don't know what it is. My daughter has like, she just has it ingrained in her. And when she hears a good vibe, like she just starts moving, <laughs> right? And I want to get her into African dance. And she was moving the other day. I forget the song that I was playing, but she looked at me and we locked eyes and we just started like moving together. So Mo, what is the song when you go to make money? What is the song that rings in your head that was either created by so written by or sung by an african-american artist what's your money making song money 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 hey hey you thinking uh oj's right yes got to have it Uh some people hey yes yes that song and you know what other song comes to mind just got paid friday night party jumping feeling right hey. ah, ah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh man those are my two money making songs absolutely yeah. one last wow. money making song i want to leave y'all with and this one is just a feel good song all around it feels good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Hey, it feels good. That it does. Yeah. So come on back and check us out next week because it feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have part two of this. Mo, money, always, always a pleasure, my darling. I'm telling you, your mind is just incredible. We will come back with our part two. 
folks, remember to subscribe, like, and share, and consider supporting this podcast. It keeps us going. It keeps us bringing in guests. It keeps us encouraged so that we can encourage you to live your best life via the MMH factors, and that's your mind, money, and home. Mo Money, thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank everybody. Happy uh, Pride Month. Yes. Uh, Juneteenth. Congratulations to New York. They made their 70 percent uh, part of uh, evacuations. Yes. Fireworks. Fireworks is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Absolutely. That's it, guys. All great. I love days. you guys. Thanks for supporting. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wherever you are. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, you scared me. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us today. We brought you the dollars and definitely the cents so you could cash in on all your MMH factors. So come on back, grab more nuggets, and get your mind, your money, and your home all addressed in one place. It's currency for currency, y'all. See you next time.